Hello and welcome to Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I will be in conversation with Tracy, who suffered from debilitating chronic illnesses and helped to heal herself through going on a journey of well-being and self-discovery. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So we met about five minutes ago now. Um, I sent you some possibly slightly sketchy direction <laughs> to my house and just got a bit lost, but you are here. So thank you for contacting me and asking to come on the show. So do you want to introduce who you are? Yeah, I'm, I'm Tracy Jones um, and I'm an artist. I'm a, a pre a predominantly a wildlife artist now. I was a primary school teacher. Um, and I was a primary school teacher up until 2017 when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and it just literally floored me overnight. Gosh. I had no idea what was, what was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I just knew that I was in pain I'd never been in before. I was beyond tired, um, brain fog. So from doing a job that I could do with my eyes closed, suddenly yep. I couldn't even remember my own name and it was just... Wow. just I remember thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of half term. And mm -hmm. this was in February. Right. You know, thinking, how, how am I going to get to the end of like even the summer term? Then it mm -hmm. was the half term. And then it got to the point where it was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of the week. And then it was actually, I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of the day. That's God. how it got. Um, and I remember going, going home um, and going to the doctors and he referred me straight to the rheumatologist, but still had no idea what, mm -hmm. what the matter was. Um, and it's ironic, really, because my very last day of work, I didn't realise would be my very last day of work. And um, ironically, in my class, they had an artist in that day oh, wow. um, from Gainsborough, where I live. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the end of the day, the children hadn't finished their work. So I said, oh, I'll drop it off later. So I went round and dropped this work off at this artist's house. And then I look back now and I think, how ironic that that was my last day of work. And I was working with an artist and now I am an artist. It's amazing. It's amazing isn't it? how things change. Yeah. yeah. And I think I, I can really relate to that because my last day of work as a teacher, I didn't know that was going to be my last day. I'd had some issues at work and the midwife signed me off sick and said, You're not going back into that toxic environment for the remainder of your pregnancy. We're right. signing you off. But I remember the care and compassion that she gave me. And it wasn't just her being practical of okay we've got to do this for your health and well-being it was also that support she gave me to calm me down emotionally yeah. and to make me feel better and that really stuck with me that's something I want to do I want to help other people more yeah. to make a difference and I think like now I'm here I'm able to do that yeah. it's fascinating and I completely get that because when I finished nobody understood what was wrong and because the one of the features of fibromyalgia is the fact that you look really well mm -hmm. It's not, it's like hidden illness and nobody sees what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And my body felt like I'd been battered. It absolutely felt covered in bruises, stabbing pains, burning pains everywhere. Never known anything like it. I couldn't walk 150 yards when I was first um, off poorly. Oh. Even getting around the supermarket, I got halfway leaning on a trolley and that was it. So mm -hmm. I ended up having to get online shopping delivered. But actually for me, that was great because it was like, I don't have to see anybody. And I just shut myself away. Yeah. Because, you know, people look at you and think, she looks so well, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, and I didn't know what was wrong at the time. And that was in the February, uh, no, it would be in the March time, actually. 
And then it was May before I got the um, rheumatology appointments. I'd got all right, that time, time sat waiting on a waiting list. And, you know, kept saying, when are you coming back? I'm no better. I can't. You know, I'm on a list. I have to wait. And, um, so I actually went to see a lady that I'd seen before to have some reflexology. And okay. I'd had reflexology before. Absolutely fine. And she started my feet. I could barely manage the touch. I could barely cope with it, which mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, how I used to be with it. Um and she actually asked me if I'd had a car accident oh, um, because nothing was, well, she she massaged, did me a massage as well. And again, that was very gentle, but she said, you know, things just don't seem right. So she referred me to an osteopath mm -hmm. and I saw him and he literally clicked me back together. He he said, nothing is where it should be. So he gosh. just literally clicked me back together. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I suddenly felt, oh my gosh, <laughs> feels amazing. Um, and then I got my appointment with a rheumatologist who basically pressed all the you know pressure points that they do for fibromyalgia gave me a leaflet and said this is what you've got there's no cure you're just going to have to go away and learn to live with it we can give you this medication but other than that that's it which that's huge isn't it when your identity is being created around being a busy active yeah. primary school teacher very capable yeah and all of a sudden all of your day-to-day -day normal function is taken away Everything and you tell gone. this is it now yeah. this is where you're going to be stuck yeah i mean i, I used to go out running you know, I've done half marathons, I've done a triathlon, I've done 10Ks. I used to love running, you know, I used to love swimming, everything, you know. And, my, and you know what it's like being a teacher, it's all consuming. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, hours and hours and hours a week spent working. Um, and I, I was shattered. I was, I was really tired. And I look back now, though, and there were warning signs before, but I didn't know what they were. But looking back now, they were really clear. So when I saw the reflexologist a couple of years earlier, she kept picking up on my adrenals and my stomach. Right, okay. So when I look back and I think, yeah, there's no wonder, because actually one of the things that I put into place and I discovered, you know, from a friend who was diagnosed with fibro and some of the research I did mm -hmm. was um, I took gluten out of my diet. And it makes a that, huge difference, doesn't it? It was yeah. massive, but it was causing inflammation in my gut, which is why every time I've been to the reflexologist, she picked up on my stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was massive. That made a huge difference. But then, you know, obviously with the adrenals, it was fight or flight all the time because you're in a constant state of stress. But then if yeah. my stomach was in that condition, there was no wonder. And, you know, all the pressures of teaching and expectations and, you know. So it all fits together, doesn't it? it? Does. It's really about that mind-body connection, isn't yeah. it? That sort of when the body's not working very well, when you are dealing with those stress and pressures, it puts a bigger strain on the body. And then when the body's strained, it creates more stress and then it, Creates it's a whole big mess. Circle. Yeah. Exactly. And like, you know, a few years before I was on my own with the children. So, you know, I'd, I'd got a mortgage bills to pay on my own, you know, single mom, four part time jobs and doing my degree. Um, wow. So I'd be getting up at four o'clock in the morning to write essays when the children were still asleep, mm -hmm. going off doing all my part time jobs right through the day till the evening. So I used to do uh, music lessons in the evening as well. OK. Um, and then fall asleep on the sofa about half past nine. Wake up, go to bed, get up at four o'clock and start the whole cycle all over so again. So do you think then, you know, because you were working so excessively and having so much responsibility for such a prolonged period of time, it just almost sent your body into like, I can't cope anymore, I'm tired. And it made you stop because yeah. you weren't going to unless there was something quite severe that happened to make you do that. Absolutely. And it's and it's really funny because I was told afterwards that I was very lucky it was the fibro that had hit me and not a heart attack or a stroke. Wow. So... 
you know, and I look back now and I just think there's no, what I was putting my body through and what I expected to do it to survive on, you know, which was limited sleep, really poor diet because it was quick, ready meals because that was, I hadn't got time to cook. Mm -hmm. It was the easiest and quickest thing to do. So they were contributing to um, my stomach issues and, and it was just, yeah. And I, when I stand back now and I strip it all back and that's what I wanted to do because the hospitals that they offered me um, amitriptyline, the doctors even rang me and said, oh, we've got your prescription here. But I, I don't want it. I told the hospital I don't want it. I don't mm -hmm. want to take anything. And I know medication's got its place for some people. Yeah, absolutely fine. But not for me because I felt it was a sticking plaster approach. And that's the thing that is essential for some people. Yeah. But at other times it can be used almost like you say as a sticking plaster. It's to deal with the symptom, but it doesn't go beyond looking at the underlying cause. And I think yeah. that's an important thing to look at as well. Exactly. And you know, I really wanted to strip it back and think, why has this happened? What is it? And what can I do about it naturally? Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And it was it was incredibly frustrating. I remember the very early days being at because my husband's self-employed. So of course he was the only that was the only income because we lost my wage just yep. overnight. You know, I, I was off sick for six months and then it stopped. Mm -hmm. So I went from a teacher's wage to absolutely nothing. I wasn't entitled to any support, any help, nothing. Gosh. Um and that was hard. That was tough. Scary, and it, isn't and it? And it was actually the guilt that came along with that because he was working extra hard. He was worried about me and trying to support me at home. I couldn't do all of the things I could do before. You know, if, if we were invited to go out, we'd say yes, we'd go. And then it'd get to the time and it was like, I'm not well enough to go. So we mm -hmm. were cancelling. And there was a lot of pressure on him. And he's been absolutely amazing. I can't fault him. He's been brilliant. Um, and it was it was really tough. And I remember one day we we went... Um, we were out for the day and we were really hungry and I'd got some money on my co-op card and we had enough for a prawn sandwich to share and that was literally what we had mm -hmm. it was the best prawn sandwich ever because we could still oh. eat <laughs> it was just it was one of those moments that you really appreciated you know what things have been really rough but actually we still had something and yeah. and you know then we started um once I started trying to get my health back a little bit I'd actually done my Reiki 1 and 2 a few years previously. Mm -hmm. No idea why I did it. And it's again, it's another synchronicity, really, because at the time I'd sort of thought, oh, that's, it's always something that's fascinated me. Yeah. So I, I, and the lady I know was doing it, so I thought, right, I'll go and do the training mm -hmm. for it. Loved it. But never did anything with it. Yeah. So it was only after, well, it was before I left, actually, and, and I had a conversation with some people at work. So I'm really not feeling well. I need to leave. I just need to sort myself out. My health mm -hmm. isn't what it should be. I don't know what it is. I'm just, I can't cope with this. I'm trying to sort my health out at the same time. I just need to go. Yeah. I need to have some time off. And they said, well, what will you do? And I just said, I'll do Reiki in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> we had no shed. We had nothing. It was just like, I, I don't know where it came from. Uh -huh. So while I was off poorly, I said to my husband, I said, can we have a summer house in the garden? Will you build me a summer house in the garden yeah. so I can do Reiki in there? And bless him, he did. He, we went and we got this this kit and he built this beautiful summer house in the garden, this garden room. So for the first year, that's what I did. People came to me and I did did Reiki in the garden, which was brilliant because mm -hmm. actually, you know, you know, when you give Reiki, you receive Reiki yourself. Exactly, yeah. And that was fantastic because it was it really helped with the fibro. It you know, it was so calming, it was so mm -hmm. soothing, and it just released everything unblocked everything and it was it was incredible so I did that for the first year and then obviously Covid um well that would have been 2018 I did yep. that um into 2019 but which time my mother-in-law had given me a canvas and she sort of said oh you can't do very much you know I've got this blank canvas why don't you have it and just do a bit of painting mm -hmm. so I thought, oh, okay 
So I'd got a photograph that we took in Lindisfarne um, on Holy Island yeah. in 2016. It's one of our favourite places and it was a castle at sunrise. It was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll just have a go and paint them. So I did. And there was a, a business group that I joined on Facebook for women starting their own businesses. Mm -hmm. Fantastic group of women. And I put it on there and it was like it all kind of then just grew. Wow, amazing. And I never, ever contemplated that being an artist. Mm -hmm. and, it, and kind of things just grew. That's so incredible. That kind of then took over from the Reiki, mm -hmm. although I still do Reiki for myself. Yeah. You know, now I've gone down the art route. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's given me a whole new direction. But I, I always say, hard as the fibro was, I'm glad it happened, because if it didn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I think sometimes I've had those experiences, as of a lot of people I know, that although we've experienced horrible situations, when looking back, we know that they needed to happen to get us on the path where we're actually meant to be. Yeah. And we're able to be better for the people around us as well as ourselves and sort of live in more in alignment with our true values and who we really are. Exactly. Because now it's really funny because if somebody wants to sort of like timetable things, you know, with an inch of their life, I can't cope with it. Because I think, you know, from being a teacher, everything was timetabled and it's like, you know, even the whole year it was mapped out into half yes. terms and it just seemed really constrictive. Whereas now my values are freedom and flexibility. How lovely. Um, so that's, you know, like when I organise my weeks, my weeks are never the same now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it'll be a mixture. Yesterday I, I walked with a beautiful group of, of lady friends that I've got. There were six of us. Yeah. And um, we meet once a month. Mm -hmm. We walk, we have a coffee, we laugh, we share problems. And it's just a beautiful group. And it's they're really authentic and honest all of a certain age, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I do commission, my commission work. At the moment, I'm working on an art journaling project. Oh, wonderful. What's that the about then? So I just want, I want more people to connect with art because when mm -hmm. I'm doing the art fairs, I have so many conversations with so many people who turn around and say, oh, I'd love to do that. And I used to do it years ago and I've got all the equipment, but I haven't got time. I'm too busy. You know, life gets in the way or I'm no good. I can't draw a stick, man. I wish I had a pound for every time somebody said that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm no good. And, and it breaks my heart every time I hear it. And quite often that stems back to a comment that was made when they were younger at school when somebody said they weren't very good at Absolutely. art. Absolutely. And it's, it's soul-destroying because I just think the peace that you get from creating and the just the calmness of it, just be able to switch off from the outside world and take that time and I remember the very one of the very first workshops I did, I had a lady came and she she got like young children. And I went round and it was the first one I'd done, so I was like a bit nervous how it was going to work. And I said, Oh, are you okay? And she goes, Oh, I just want to cry. And I said, Oh, is it is it that bad? And she went, It's lovely. She said it is just so nice. And she said, It's not even the fact that I'm sat here drawing, she said, I don't care what it looks like. She says, the fact that I'm here for three hours on my own doing something for me is priceless. She says, I never get yeah. that time. And we don't give ourselves time within our society. Like you say, it is always rush, rush, rush. Everything does tend to be planned out and there's always that expectation to do more and more. Yeah. So giving somebody that time and space is so important. And I think you've also highlighted another point there that throughout our lives we get different expectations put on us. And I think a lot of the time those expectations are outcome-driven yeah. about the end product of what we're achieving. So like with the art, for example, it's whether it's actually good or not, whether it looks like the thing that you're drawing. And we fail to really value the process, yeah. but it's that process is where we really get the space to learn and to heal and to grow. 
And by enjoying that process, it's very, very transformative. And it does open people up, doesn't it, to different yeah. ways of thinking and creativity and freedom of expression, which I think are so important for health and well-being. Exactly. And I mean, I, I was very lucky when I was younger. I had an amazing primary school teacher. He was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and he used to put massive sheets of paper on the floor in the hall. And he used to let two or three of us go in there and he'd just say, just explore colour paint, make a mess, just create. And, mm -hmm. and he was incredible. And he really gave me the freedom to be able to do that. And and I think that was so important because I know another teacher I had was the exact opposite. And mm -hmm. if I'd had that teacher first, I don't think I'd have been as free with what I do now. Yeah. And that's what I really want to get across to people. You know, a lady came to a workshop and she, and she said that she was doing a one-to-one -one session with me. And she said, oh, I just feel like I'm splashing paint around like a three-year-old. And I said, yes, but that, how good is that? And she looks at me and I said, but why not? Yeah. You know, because we lose, you know, and even I saw it through the primary school children, you know, with the, with the real small children in reception in year one, they would get involved in anything, make a mess, mm -hmm. have a go, proud of everything they produced because they'd created it and they were yeah. proud of it. Get to year six. The meltdowns we had over pieces of paper and pencils mm -hmm. and it was screwed up and in the bin, it's rubbish and it's no good. And it's like, but it's not, you know, yeah. there's no such thing as right or wrong in all. Everybody's got a different interpretation of how they see things. Everybody sees things differently anyway. Um, and it's just go with it, go with what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's your work, you know, be proud of it. And that's that's kind of what the art journey for me is about. It's getting people to re-engage with art because so many people haven't so yeah. far at school. And I just think they're missing out massively. I agree. I mean, I loved art at school. It was something I really enjoyed and I wanted to take it for my A-level. But then my head teacher persuaded me. I was very good at business studies as well. And she was like, it was a business and enterprise school. And she's like, I think this would be more suitable for you, basically, in your day-to-day -day life. And actually, that has served me really well. I'm glad that I did that now. But I hated that course. And she basically said to me, the art's something you can keep doing as a hobby. And it was sort of minimised. And I understand yeah. that, but it wasn't seen to have the same value or same place. And I think also I've naturally got quite a perfectionist personality and I'm a really high achiever. And I didn't necessarily realise that. So it meant that as soon as I wasn't doing it for that outcome of getting my A-levels, it got put to one side and I didn't do it for years. Yeah. And then a few years ago, I came back to it a bit. And I, I did what you said about like those six, year six children screwed up bits of paper, got stroppy because it didn't look perfect. And then I just thought, hang on a minute, Debbie, what are you doing here? Why are you making yourself stressed? Mm. This isn't for anyone else. This isn't for an exam or anything. This is just for you. Yeah. And so then I've reapproached it now and I do it for myself. And I don't do it very often, but it tends to be actually when I'm really stressed or really overwhelmed and I've sort of got over busyness in my head. Yeah. I'm not the sort of person that can just switch off, put the telly on and put my feet up. I like to be doing things. Yeah. So it's in those scenarios, I get pens and paper out, I get paints out and I get engrossed in it yeah. and it really calms me and settles me. And it took a long time even for me then to show anybody else that artwork still because of their judgment. So it took me a long time to accept what I was doing and where I was and yeah. see it as a journey rather than an end product. But now that I do that, I love it. And sort of in here, all the pictures in this room are things that I've created. Oh, wow. And I enjoy that now and I feel now in a position where I can show people because yeah. it's not showing them this needs to be perfect. It's actually, this is a story. This is part of a page in the chapter of my life that when I created this, 
It was when I was feeling frightened and needed something to reassure me. This was when I developed a new friendship with somebody and I felt really inspired. Yeah. This is when I was starting a new course or something like that. And I think art does tell that story. Absolutely. I mean, my very first piece, I look at it now and it is far from perfect, but it's on my living room wall and I will never, ever change it because I know when it was created, that was the very start of my journey and I'm so grateful for that piece. Mm -hmm. It's a very special place that we were there anyway. You know, we got up very early to go and take the pictures of the sunrise, which was a magical moment Aww. in itself. But to be able to recreate it and that was the start of my journey is just really, really special. Um, so... You know, and, about, and recently I've just painted the biggest piece I painted. It, it was, uh, I think it's about 1.4 by 1.2 metres. Wow. And, it's, and it's a bear. And he was actually from Walls Wildlife Park. Uh -huh. And I took photos. And he was about eight foot tall when he stood up on his back legs. But he sat as far away from you are to me. And I was stood the other side of the fence looking at him. And he just sat looking at me. And, it, and there was a connection. He'd got such a lovely, beautiful energy mm -hmm. about him. And I just thought, I have to paint you. And I just got him glancing up. Yeah. So I've done him in all blues, turquoises, um, metallic golds. And so he shimmers in the light. Lovely. And again, he's on my living room wall. And I just love him because mm -hmm. it's that was a big piece. I don't draw outlines out. I just go in and paint. And, yeah. and that was so freeing to be able to do that. And I remember standing in my studio, which it's where I started doing my Reiki, but mm -hmm. now it's my, my art studio. So I remember standing in there. And it was sunny. I got the doors open. My cat was snoozing on the floor. I'd got my chill out music on painting quite half and I just stood there and I stopped and thought oh my goodness look where you are now from where you were a few years ago that journey you've been on to being here and feeling like you're feeling and I just felt so grateful for it Amazing. you know it was incredible it's remarkable isn't it and I think it's really lovely that you are able to take stock and feel that sense of gratitude yeah for that journey because what a big journey it's been for yeah. you yeah I mean it was two years to regain my health mm -hmm. um and it was very much trial and error. So I've sort of like tried different things. It was a lady that um, she was doing a sound healing qualification mm -hmm. and she needed some people to work with. So she, she was asking for volunteers. And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I had three sessions with her and she was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I had the reflexology. Like I say, I was doing the Reiki. I cut the gluten from my diet. I found that stress was a major trigger. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> which again accounts for the adrenals and that was picked upon earlier mm -hmm. and so I regularly med I'd, I'd always sort of dabbled with meditation but yeah. then it became a daily non-negotiable mm -hmm. and that's that's really what I've put into place are my daily non-negotiables because my okay. self-care used to be non-existent mm -hmm. um and now it is like it's the first thing you yeah. know things come after that but unless I do that self-care then I know what's going to happen to mm -hmm. the health. So it has to come first. And my friend actually for my 50th birthday bought me um, a shiatsu mat. Oh, how lovely. Oh, I love it. Love it. So it's it's like a bed, I call it my bed of nails. It's like little plastic discs with spikes all mm -hmm. over it. And it works on the um, basis of acupressure. Yeah. And it's it's just incredible. So I get laid on there, earphones in, meditation music on, and I've been known to fall asleep on it for about an hour and a half, two hours. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> but you... You know, you can wake up feeling a bit stiff or a bit rubbish and, and go on there and it's just like, wow. And then, I don't know if you've heard of Wim Hof. Yes. Yeah, I said, yeah. <laughs> so three years ago, I started doing the cold showers as well. Yeah. So I've been doing that for, well, it'd be three years in September. And then my daughter actually treated us to the Wim Hof experience last oh, wow. year in Lincoln. Yeah. Um, we went with a guy, it was a guy called Daniel from Boreas Healing. Okay. And it was incredible. There was 
eight of us at a time sitting in a paddling pool in a car park in Lincoln, full of ice. <laughs> oh, and it, I got out and I was just absolutely buzzing for weeks afterwards. It was yeah. just incredible. So it's really transformative. Yeah. I've let my Wim Hof stuff slide. At one stage, I was being very good. And every morning when I woke up before I got out of bed, I was doing my Wim Hof breathing. Yeah. Then straight into a cold shower. Yeah. And wow, I felt invigorated. I felt really alive and really energized. Yeah. And I do need to get back to it. Yeah. Um, I said that weeks ago on another podcast <laughs> but I will at some point <laughs> but the difference it makes and, and I mean people say to you when I tell them they go oh no I can't stand the cold I, can't. I said but I couldn't my hands and feet were always cold my husband used to call me a snake because he said hands and feet are always really cold they were like ice circulation was really bad but now it's so much better I'm not like that anymore and it's I just find it's you know you can wake up feeling a bit sluggish but after doing the meditation you know the mat couple of yoga stretches in the shower cold shower and it's like come on bring the day on now I'm ready for it and it's yeah. but I've got time to do that now because I'm not having to get up and leave the house early and you know get everything organized mm -hmm. for my day I get up do that and think okay right now let's sort my day out yeah yeah and I think sort of with teachers in particular but also anybody that's sort of in caring professions I think they are particularly prone to getting things like fibromyalgia mm -hmm. because there is that wanting to be of service, wanting to do a really good job to a high standard of help other people. Yeah. And it's like basically taking on more and more all the time yeah. because you'll know you'll do things well, you know you do it to a high standard and you get the job done and you're there to help other people. They say eventually the body just can't keep up no. and it just says no more. Exactly. So I think it's really important, like you say, to put that self-care in yeah. because it's your maintenance, isn't it? If you're not well, you can't help anybody else. Exactly. And I, and I kind of envisaged it as you know like the um electric sockets that come up and everybody you could plug put all the plugs in yeah it's like column ones and so you can plug everything in and that's kind of how I pictured it because it was almost like I was that column and everybody was coming and plugging into me and, I, and my energy was just going down and down and down as everybody else was sucking it out of me and it, mm -hmm. and it was like and like you say you do you just say yeah I didn't know the word no you know, so you have to do something. It's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God, when am I actually going to do that? Yeah. You know, and it was just another pressure and something else to do. And and I never allowed myself time to stop. And I think that is a personality trait of mm -hmm. people that develop fibro. Yeah. You know, they give everything 150% mm -hmm. apart from themselves. Yes. And that was that was the key thing that I suddenly realised. And I thought, do you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Because actually, when when it first happened... A few of those people that I'd really gone out my way to do that for when I needed it. Yeah. You know? You get to find out who's really sort of genuinely there sort yeah. of both ways. And it's a two-way friendship to those that have perhaps been taken advantage of. You. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, like I say, now it's it's my self-care is absolutely non-negotiable. And I'm, I'm very fixed on that. You know, my diet, I've, say, cut the gluten out, but I've also... Um, had to cut lactose out because that's okay. really affecting me and I've also stopped eating meat as well which okay. has made a big difference mm -hmm. so I know now what I eat you know cook from scratch cook fresh it's made a huge difference to how I'm feeling well it makes sense doesn't it because what we're putting in our body is what fuels it exactly. and if we had a car and we put in the wrong fuel yeah. it wouldn't work properly yeah and yet in our society I think because we're so busy we're encouraged to eat processed rubbish that has no real nutritional value and over yeah. time, that's going to cause problems in the body. Absolutely. So, like you say, cooking fresh, 
eating the foods that are right for you personally is going to make a massive difference. Exactly. I mean, we've just come back from um, 10 days on Mull and we literally ate nothing but fish and vegetables and it, mm -hmm. and it was just so lovely and it was so peaceful. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never felt so relaxed. So, you know, that, that was lovely just to, again, to go and switch off and, mm -hmm. you know, and that was to, it was, it was a holiday, but I actually combined it with um, sort of like getting inspiration and, and material together for the my art journaling course, wow. which I'm going to be doing. So, yeah. It was, that was really inspirational. It was incredible. Yeah. But just, just to go and, and again, just to go and sit by a lock and spend a couple of hours just sat painting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just it was quiet. All you could hear was the water and the oyster catchers flying over. Oh. We saw golden eagles, uh, not golden eagles, white-tailed eagles flying yeah. over. You know, we saw otters. Wow. Seals, you know, it was just, and, and puffins, we went over to an island where there was puffins, we were within two metres of the puffins, just mm -hmm. watching them go about their day, and it was like, and you, you do, it makes you stand back and think, you know, how, how small we are in the big scheme of things, Yeah. but it's also like, you know, it was in term time, the first, in fact, the funny thing is, the first time I went into town after I finished working, was on a Monday in term time, and I walked around going, it's so Ooh. quiet, isn't it? It's really strange. <laughs> There's life outside and it was just like, Phew. you know, it was a moment of realisation. It was really mm. strange how I'd got myself. So it was such tunnel vision. Yes. But then when you realise there's a big world out there and, you know, since I've, I've, you know, started to get my health back and, you know, sort of two years in, that was the pivotal point really when I thought, yeah, do you know what? I'm starting to feel well now. Amazing. And like I say, six years, just over six years now. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many people that I've met, so many opportunities have opened up, so many experiences I've had, you mm -hmm. know, because I've, I've kind of thought, you know what, I'm going to do a couple of things every year that push me out of my comfort zone. Yep. So, you know, we've been canoeing, we've, say, so we did the Wim Hof experience mm -hmm. and did the puffing experience and everything. And, it, and it's just those things, because one thing that, really stood out for me actually when I was really really poorly I don't know if you've seen the timeline that sometimes pops up on face Facebook which is like 0 to 18 is your education mm -hmm. 18 to 65 66 is your work life and anything that you're lucky enough to have after that is the time you enjoy yourself and Crazy, I remember looking at that when I was poorly thinking I'm not even going to get to the end of my work life at this rate you mm -hmm. know the way I'm the way I'm pushing my body and the way I'm feeling I'm not even going to make it that far yeah and it was a real, you know, eye-opener for me. I thought, what am I doing? Why am I waiting? Why am I... And, I, and I think it's it's a generational thing. I think, you know, you're brought up, aren't you, to sort of think, right, you go to school, you go to college, you know, you get a job, you get married, you have children. <laughs> and But I think, you know, for me, something I've really realised is, like, as women, you know, especially in now, we're trying to do it all. You know, work full-time, be the full-time mum, be the full-time wife, you know, it's impossible, isn't it's it? And impossible. I know for me, it just left me, especially when I was working, feeling like a failure. Yeah. Um, and now I've got that flexibility because I've altered and adapted my life, but I still have to keep it in check because there are so many pressures all the time. And I think that's hard anyway, but particularly if you've got like maybe a perfectionist personality or you're a high achiever, Yeah. you want to do all of those things brilliantly and then you end up beating yourself up if you let something slip, if you've missed a letter from school, if you've forgotten to send yeah. a packed lunch in, if you've missed a deadline at work because your child's been poorly. It's really impossible and it sort of makes you feel like you're constantly being set up to fail. Yeah, but I mean, I think now I've, I can stand back 
because I used to feel exactly the same. Mm. But now I stand back and I'm very selective about what I agree to. And, and like sometimes if there's things that I think that I've agreed to do, but then I'm thinking, well, actually, I've already got this, this and this on that day. And I think that is going to be actually too much. I will try and rearrange. So, so like actually tomorrow I was supposed to be meeting a friend and she's messaged me today saying, can we, can we meet later today instead? So we, we've rearranged that. And actually that freed tomorrow up. So mm-hmm. I've got a lot to do um, for my for my course and for um, my commission, a lot of artwork things to do. And I thought, actually, now I've got most of Friday to actually mm-hmm. sit down and dedicate a day to doing that. So, that's brilliant. you know, it's that's what I say about, you know, my value being flexibility. And before I wouldn't, it'd be so rigid. It'd be yeah. like, no, I've said I'm doing it that day, so I'm going to do it that mm-hmm. <laughs> And now I'm not like that. And I really like that because yeah. it's just, I feel calmer. Yes. And I feel much freer in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it allows things to present themselves as and when they're meant to. I think things tend to flow in divine perfect timing. So it's even like with this, you contacted me a while ago and then I was busy and had some issues sort of contacting you back, getting it organised. And then the dates I suggested you couldn't do because you were on holiday. Yeah. But rather than us getting stressed about that, we both accepted it'll happen when it's meant to happen. And we put the date in for today. Yeah. And as you said, it's really good that we've waited till now because you had a really transformative experience when you were on the holiday. Absolutely. So it's perhaps changed your perception again. Yeah. At this point you are now, whereas you'd been completely different a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I, and I, I really do agree with that because I think I've gone through, especially the early part of the illness, because I think the guilt takes over and I think you're pushing and pushing to try and make things happen because I, don't know, I need to earn, I need to be doing this, I have to be bringing money in. And you kind of like, again, being quite blinkered, you know, pushing, saying, right, I'll do this and this and this because then I can earn some money. But if it's not meant for you and if it's not right for you, and if it's not in alignment with you and your values, it's never going to work. And it's just going to feel like pushing pushing a cart uphill. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I've been doing an online course with a lady and she's very much of that mindset. And that's really helped me working with her because it's made me think, do you know what? I've been... You can get into scarcity mode. Yes. And I remember, I remember sitting one day, my husband's self-employed. He hadn't got a lot of work Mm -hmm. at the time either. And I was just feeling overwhelmed thinking, oh my gosh, what can I sell? Because we need to get some money coming in. And I remember sitting in front of my cupboard that had got all my teaching books in it, Mm -hmm. thinking, I could sell that, I could sell that. Just floods of tears. And I've got a lovely friend that I met online, um, on the group for women starting their own mm-hmm. businesses and she lived in Cambodia at the time I'd never wow. met her in person mm-hmm. and she always talks about manifesting and she wanted really really wanted a baby but had to go through IVF so she needed to manifest £27,000 she hadn't got it mm-hmm. but she did it she manifested yep. £27,000 and now she's got a lovely little boy you know mm-hmm. and I, th- I just sat there and I thought Tony I need to message Tony so I messaged her and I just said please help me I said I'm, I'm in this this awful space I'm in floods of tears in front of all these books you know we really need some money starting to come in I don't know what to do and she went stop she yeah. said just stop she says just write write down mm-hmm. the amount you need as if you've already got it be grateful for it imagine it in your account and she talked me all the way through it and I was like okay two weeks later I'd, I'd I used to be a nurse prior to being a teacher. <laughs> so when I was 18, I'd actually taken a policy out, which I'd only taken it out because you got a free coffee maker with it. At 18, I thought coffee maker was cool. So I paid into this scheme for all of these years. Yeah. And they sent me a statement every year. Now, this particular year, 
I never read the letter all the way through. This particularly at the bottom, there was um, just one sentence that said, we've also got a scheme that um, will support people if they've fallen on hard times. I thought, oh, interesting. So I rang and explained my situation and she was, that's exactly who it's for. She said, I'll send you the form, fill it in, send it back, you'll hear within two weeks. Mm -hmm. So sent it off, never thought any more about it. And this, so this kind of was before I'd had the conversation with my friend. And I remember the day my card gone for an MOT, it had failed. I'd run to tell my husband, I just want something nice to happen. You know, it's just, everything just seemed to be going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And there was, the doorbell rang and it was the post lady. And I saw her with this letter, which had got the stamp of this company on that. And she said, I just need you to sign for this. I thought, okay. So signed for it, took it in and opened it. And there was a lovely letter in there that, because I told them about starting my art business and everything. And they sent me a £200 hobbycraft voucher with a beautiful letter saying, you know, this is to help you get going. But they'd also sent me a cheque for £2,000. Amazing. And within the space of two weeks, my husband got a letter as well. He'd been paying into something he'd forgotten about and he'd got a refund as well. In the space of that two weeks, I'd manifested the amount that I'd written on this mm -hmm. paper. And it does make a remarkable difference. And obviously, as we're talking today, I've just been explaining to you two months ago now, my husband got made redundant. Yeah. And I think month one, we both just took it in turns to have panics about where's the money coming in. Yeah. All of a sudden, we have lost £30,000 of annual income into the house. Yeah. What's going to happen? And then I thought, do you know what? What are you doing, Debbie? You know that that sort of focusing on the scarcity and the lack prevents and creates blocks. Yeah. You need to shift yourself. And I was like, right, okay, I'm changing my mindset. And luckily, I've got the tools to do that. Yeah. So I sat and did that. And then last month, month two, I was like, right, this month, I'm going to earn enough money for two people's salaries. And I've done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it was a lot easier than all that stressing and all that worrying. Yeah. Instead, I just refocused my attention onto what we needed in a really positive way, put the intention out there that I'd achieved it, seeing myself at the end of the month with that money in the bank account. Yeah. And it happened. And I just think really powerful. It is. When you start putting your mind and energy to the things you do want as opposed to the things you're yeah. afraid of or don't want. And you can feel when you're in that flow. Yes. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, with being away, obviously we're both self-employed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'd sold a couple of places on workshops I'm doing one away, which was brilliant. Um, but then I came back and I, and I and I painted. Since I've been back, I've been painting. And, and I put my painting on Facebook on my page um, a couple of nights ago. And there was like a few people said, oh, it's really, really lovely. How much is it? And, and everything. Didn't hear anything back. And then yesterday, my lovely friend messaged me. She says, I love the painting. I've got to have it. Oh. And it was like, oh. That was lovely. lovely. That was just, and it was just so lovely because she'd really connected with it mm -hmm. as well. And and I think I came back in such a place place of peace um, from being in Mull, and it and I think that calmness had come through the painting. And and I and I didn't feel that sense of scarcity. I just still feel in the flow, which is mm -hmm. really lovely. And being there was just so special. You know, it's um, yeah. I can't describe the experience. It was just amazing. Oh, that's amazing. How lovely. So, but like I said, I was, I was telling you earlier that I'm looking at um, launching an online art journaling yep. course. Before I went away, I'd kind of got an idea in my head of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But being away, is, it's just taken it to a much, much deeper, deeper level. Yeah. I mean, we lost my granddad 28 years ago and I was very close to my granddad. I spent a lot of time as a child in his mm -hmm. workshop. He he was basically the one that started my love of creativity yeah. being about three, four years old. I remember being in his workshop with him. He taught me how to make paper flowers. We built bird boxes together. 
We painted gnomes together. He taught me how to play the penny whistle. Aww. He had a herb book and he was always teaching me about the different herbs and what they were used for. He used to make his own like little concoctions out of the herbs and everything. And I've still got that book. I kept that Aww. book. Nice. And when we went away, um, there was a couple of places that we went and I just felt him there. Mm -hmm. um, and it was it was silly things just like like the bathroom door was like a stripped wood door with still the old paint on it and the old lock on there and everything. Yeah. But it was it just took me right back to the door on his shed. Mm -hmm. It was I was there with it and we went to a weaver's, and the lady had got all of these um like glass jars, bright coloured um walls and different right. things in there. Mm -hmm. And I asked, I went to ask her about them. I still come and have a look, and she got them all labelled, and we're like daffodil heads then, and there were solar dyes, so she was dyeing her yarns in the sun every year with different, she said she got rhubarb root, all different roots uh -huh. and herbs and everything. And she'd got a garden then, growing the herbs, and there was a blue flower, she said, I can't remember that one, I said, it's borage, that was my granddad's favourite yeah. herb, it was borage, so again, he was there. And we went into the workshop where all the looms were, and the smell of the grease and the oil, and I was like, that's the smell from his workshop, mm -hmm. from his lathes and things. And it was just, I just felt like he was there guiding me. Oh, how lovely. And and that, I don't know, I think that was partly why I didn't want to leave. Because mm -hmm. it, it was just so lovely. I just felt like the whole time I was there, he was just there giving me a big hug saying, it's okay, you're on the right track. This is what you need to do. And that's how it's felt ever since I've got back. And that's amazing. And I think it's lovely to have that reassurance, isn't it? And so some people will believe it is actually a spirit working. Other people will feel it's just sort of a load of coincidences that have come together to help you connect. But either way, what it's done is it's allowed you to tap into what you need at this time. Exactly. And to have that sense of reassurance. And I know at key moments in my history, I've had that connection with relatives that have passed. And it's just helped me to know actually everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm on the right track. And it's given me the tools and resources I've needed to move forwards into what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, so now I've, I've come back and it's, you know, I feel ready to sort of get going with, with everything, all my ideas coming mm -hmm. together. So, you know, and I feel like I'm moving forward with things. And it's every day, you know, I, I'm so grateful. I sat and look back and think, because I think sometimes it's so easy to forget just how far you've come. Yes. Um, so I'd, I have actually set up a group a few months back. I set up a group on, on Facebook for mm -hmm. women recovering from fibro. Okay. Because... When I was first diagnosed, I was told to look at all the support groups and I lasted two weeks. Why was that? I just found the energy behind it was so negative. Mm -hmm. it, it just felt, it was all about the illness. It was all about the condition. It was all about the medication. It was all about how bad everybody felt. And for me, it was just like, no, I, I need something that tells me there's a way out of this. I need yeah. something positive mm -hmm. and I need a light to work towards because yeah. that just didn't, feel like it and because at the time I was at home my husband was out at work all day I wasn't going out I was at home on my own all day and I could just feel it it taking my mood further and further down and mm -hmm. I was like this is not helpful it's not helping me at all yeah um so I wasn't in a position at the time to sort of do anything because I was still finding my own way through mm -hmm. it but now I kind of I'm just I feel so passionately about the fact that I don't want any other woman to struggle yeah, and go through what I had to go through mm -hmm. and being told there's no cure and they have to learn to live with being as they are at that time and accept it 
I, it makes me so frustrated. It's so damaging, isn't it? Because yes. it's a limiting belief. Yeah. And I think there's still so little we know about conditions like fibromyalgia. So to tell somebody basically they've got a life sentence yeah. and they're always going to feel bad is really grossly unfair and actually prevents them healing. I mean, even things like the placebo effect. Yeah. When people start to believe something will work, it starts to help and to heal them. Exactly. And yet we're saying people, actually, you've got no hope. Yeah. So off you go. Yeah. But but the thing is, one thing that I was really careful of was the language that I used. I have never said I have it. I've always said I was diagnosed with it. Well done. Because I think it, as soon as you start saying I have something, it kind of gives your body permission to then accept that that's what you've got, you know, and to sort of think, okay, I'm allowed to feel this because I have it. Yeah. You know, and it's like no. And then I, it goes one step further, and people then start to give it its own identity. Yeah. So my fibromyalgia stops me doing this. Yeah. My fibromyalgia makes me feel this way. Yeah. So it's almost like then it becomes this personal, this overbearing thing that restricts you in your ways of your life. And I think when we personify it, then it's much harder to distance ourselves because it becomes yeah. something that belongs to us. It's something that's part of us, and it's something that's making us behave in a but certain way. But it also way. then becomes your comfort zone. Yes. You know and. And I, I went actually and had a, a session. I went and worked with a guy called Stephen Blake from All yes. Pain To Go. And I'll say you met him. Yeah, oh, yeah I yeah, trained him years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, and he was amazing. And he he really, he was really good. And he did like a brain bargaining technique with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I kept going until I was physically in pain. Yeah. And then I would stop and it was too late. Mm-hmm. Because then for a couple of weeks afterwards, I'd be struggling to, to function. So he got me to stop once I started feeling tired, even if I only went and down, sat down for half an hour, had a cup of tea, and then I could go and do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I broke it down. And that was huge. And and it sounds so simple, you know, like thinking, why would anybody keep going until they're in pain before they stop? Yeah. But you know what it's like? I mean, I'm a, my daughter laughs. I'm a bit like Dory because you're like... You, you think I'll put the washing on, all oh, the dishwasher needs yeah. done, all oh, the hoovering needs done. <laughs> so then you, you find yourself that you've done one job, but actually then you've done seven jobs because you've seen mm-hmm. them and it's just, and I think that's part of being a teacher and a mum, yeah. isn't it? You just see things and I'll just do it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that took a lot of retraining my brain. Yeah. And I think it is that thing, isn't it? It's, it's having that awareness, but then it's putting it into practice and repeating it, starting to recognise my body is giving me a signal yeah. that I need to do something different. If you don't respond to that signal, it's going to keep getting worse with that signal exactly. until you do listen. Yeah. So it's best just to listen the first time you've asked. Yeah. Like with my kids, I might have <laughs> said to them, like, right, kids, it's time to get your shoes on for school. Kids, you need to get your shoes on. Kids, it's really time to go. Kids, come on. Kids, <laughs> will you just get your shoes on? And you end up shouting yeah. at them. And it's because, if, and then everyone's upset. Everybody's in tears. It takes longer and everybody's frustrated. Yeah. But if that message was listened to the first time, then all of that could be avoided. And that is the same with the messages that your Absolutely. mind and body are giving to you. If you listen straight away, you might only have to take half an hour, 20 minutes out. Yeah. And then you can get back onto things. But if you don't listen, it then becomes this great big problem yeah. that wipes you out for days or weeks. And you see, looking back, probably a year earlier, well, two years before being diagnosed, I'd had an operation. I had a general anaesthetic. Okay. And I kept, they said to me, you'll be back at work the next day. I was two weeks before I went back. Mm-hmm. The, the two days after the operation, I did nothing but sleep on the sofa. Okay. And when I look back, and, and actually talking to the ladies in my fibro group, a lot of ladies that later developed fibro had had an operation and a general anaesthetic, which I find quite interesting. Mm. There's, there's quite a lot of ladies that have... Um, and I thought, mm. But I also think that, like, 
in times gone by, you know, they used to have the convalescence homes. They used to like go to the seaside to, to recuperate after mm -hmm. illnesses and things. We never allowed ourselves time to properly get over illnesses. Because you're expected to go straight back on and exactly. get Exactly. Or even if you were off, you'd still be doing the planning to send in. Yeah. So you never actually had that proper break to get yourself well. And so every time you were poorly, you'd go back at a slightly lower level than you were before. And I'd suddenly realised, you know, after all of this, I'd kept doing that and my body had been shouting at me for a good couple of years and I hadn't listened. Yeah. You know, we went to Milan the year before we were poorly and I was walking, my legs in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And again, I was really tired and I just thought, oh, it's been a busy half turn. That's what it is. That's all it is. Put it down to that. But, you know, I think that was probably the starting point a year before, a year yeah. and I didn't listen. And I think this is going. what I try and teach my children. It's really hard because like in schools, they have a whole thing about attendance. And you have to be there and you can get fines if you're not attended. You can get people calling you. Yes, children need to be in school. Yeah. But already we're educating them that actually it's not okay to be ill. Yeah. They're still expected to go in if they're ill or to be perhaps back quicker than they should rather than having that extra day or two's rest. Yeah. And I know with my children, if I can see that they're starting to dip, I would rather give them one day off yeah. when I can see they're starting to get depleted and tired and then them feel fine to go back rather than waiting until they're so run down that they end up having to take three or four days off or a week off. Yeah. But we have got this, these messages, these conflicting messages in our society that don't sort of fit with what our bodies tell us. And we often ignore our bodies and our minds yeah. because we're told we have to do other things. Yeah. And I think we need to shift it. Absolutely. Because overall, we'd be far more productive. We'd be far more present. We'd yeah. be able to do things far better if we actually listened and took the time when we needed it. Yeah, I mean, I get far more done now, far, you know, like I say, I'm far more productive in a much healthier way because I'm doing it on my terms. But you see, when I was nursing, again, I always used to joke that I needed a drip and a catheter because we never had time for a drink and we never had time to go to the loo, which, which is crazy, crazy because we're it? the ones educating people about health, yet your own health suffers. Yeah, it's and I don't think I've got lots of friends that are nurses and unfortunately it's no different now. They. No. And they say to me, oh, I've done like a 12-hour shift or something like that, and I haven't been for a week. I'm like, don't physically know how you've managed that. Yeah. Look, yeah. how awful is that? How uncomfortable is yeah. that that you're not even... But the long-term effect yeah. that then is that is going to have on their bodies, you yeah. know. And, and I look back, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 52 now, and for the first time, you know, the last two years probably, I properly fully understand my body. I listen to it. I know how it works. I know what makes me tick both physically, emotionally, mentally, and I feel so in tune with, with myself now. And I, and I kind of think, well, how has it taken me so long? But in a way, I think it needed to, because you build on all the experiences that you've had over your mm -hmm. lifetime. Um, but then, you know, like with my own children, I sort of passed on them, you know, that it's okay. If something's not working, it's okay to stop and do something different. Yeah. Don't just stick at something because you feel you have to. Mm -hmm. And they've both done that in their lives. And they're, they're only like... Um, 26 and 27 you know yeah. but they've both done it a couple of times in their lives already because they've learned that actually they've seen what happened to me mm -hmm. you know by just keeping going and going and going because that's expected of you yes and they've seen what happened so you know I want to sort of like get across to other people as well and it's like with the fibro group you know I really want to educate women that self-care you know there's some really simple tweaks and changes you can make to your lifestyle and it and it's not it's not a quick fix. It is a lifestyle yeah. change. And it takes commitment, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's 
you know, it's human nature, isn't it? You you start something and you'll do it for a couple of weeks and then it, you know, it kind of dwindles. It's too much like hard work mm-hmm. and whatever. But for me, it was just like a no-brainer because I'm thinking if if the alternative is me going back to how I was feeling before and having such a limited life to being how I am now and loving life and feeling well, mm-hmm. 95% of the time I forget it's even there. Amazing. You know, and it's just like from from being at that point, from being told, you know, not walking 150 hours, being told you've got to learn to live within pain, being in pain, nothing we can do. It poles apart, and I just, I just want people to see, look, you can have this. Definitely. Um, but I, but I do also think there's so many other factors involved. I mean, I was when I was diagnosed, it was like a triple whammy, really, because it was menopause and also le- very low vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So those three things combined, really, you know, it hit me. Yeah, all at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know there are other factors as well, but I just think it's making people aware because mm-hmm. I, I I do feel that we grow up. The NHS is free, and we grow up thinking, oh well, I can live as I like, and then if I get poorly, the doctor or the hospital will sort me out. Yes. And and we don't take responsibility for our own health. Yes. And I think that's the difference. And I always say to my husband, like with his your car. You take responsibility because to take it to the garage is expensive. Yeah. So you look after it. You put mm-hmm. decent oil. You put decent petrol in it. You look after it. If it's got a squeak, you see to it straight away. Yes. With us, if we've got something niggling, we don't. We ignore it. Mm-hmm. Quite agree. <laughs> you know? yeah. Couldn't have said it better yeah. myself. And it just it just doesn't make sense. And you know, so I think, and it and it's when you look at it, it's so simple. But I just think. It's shifting that mindset. It's shifting that way of thinking that we've been brought up all our lives thinking. And it's just thinking, no, now's the time to take responsibility, you know, to and not just your physical health, but emotional health, spiritual health. Absolutely. It's all, it's all interlinked. And this is why I wanted to do this podcast, really, because I meet so many remarkable people like yourself that have overcome obstacles and all done it in different ways. Mm. But there is so much more that we can do for ourselves to help ourselves but that first step is really taking responsibility and saying actually I want something different for myself and I'm going to commit to making that change yeah and that's huge mm-hmm. yeah and I mean it was, it was so lovely when I listened to your podcast with Victoria before I got in touch with you because her story so resembled mine mm-hmm. and I just, like I said I was sat drawing and I was just in tears because it was like somebody else gets it because there's so few people that I've met with fibro that actually think the same way mm-hmm. and it's you, to start with you're very wary of putting your head above the parapet saying actually no you can get better because people look at you going don't talk rubbish you know yeah. I, I know what it's like it's it's there's no cure it's, mm-hmm. no but you can you yeah. know and now I, I feel confident enough to do that because Amazing. I've been there and I know you know it is it's kind of like you're in a in a dip and you, you, you can start getting so far up and then you can slip back again. But it's, it takes that commitment. It takes mm-hmm. that determination. And and it's not just because I speak to people and they'll say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And I tried that and it didn't work. But it's it's not just about trying things in isolation. It's a layered approach. It is. Yeah. And I always equate it to like, you know, like the Swiss cheeses with the holes in. Mm-hmm. So if you think of that in layers, the holes are in different places on the cheeses. So if, like, if you just do one thing like cutting the gluten out, that's fine. But there's still the gaps in it where, yeah. you know, so then you put another layer on where, you know, you perhaps do the meditation, but there's still some gaps. So you need to do something else on top until eventually you've covered all those holes. Absolutely. And doing like 
that, you know, there's about seven or eight things I do and they take no time at all. They're part of my daily routine, mm-hmm. like brushing my teeth is now. Yeah. You know, and it's, I don't do it without thinking. Yeah, definitely. But it makes me, it makes me well. Mm-hmm. And and thank you for sharing that. And I mean, I think we're going to have to come to an end in a moment time-wise. It's gone so fast. <laughs> but this is very much what I say. Health and well-being is a holistic approach. Sometimes people need mental things, emotional things, physical, social, energetic and spiritual. And it's often a combination of some or all of them coming together to create the shift. Yeah. And it is just that persistence. It's building upon those layers until you get it how you want it to be. But you are evidence that that can be done. Yeah. So before we get going, would you be able to just tell me very quickly if there are any listeners out there who feel like they would like to be part of your fibro group and have that information and have that support? How do they find you? So I'm on Facebook and it's called Fibro, uh, Fibromyalgia Recovery for Women. Okay, so if you look look for that, and I've also started an art group which is called Artful Balance. So again, that's a free group and it's for people that want to engage with art and, you know, sort of like health benefits of that really. So Amazing. Yeah, so both groups alongside each other. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for coming. It's been really Thank interesting. You. I've really enjoyed it. So It's been lovely to meet you and lovely to chat. Thank so you. Thank you so much. So thank you also to the listeners. Whatever you're doing, I hope you have a wonderful day and we shall speak to you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. If you would like to find out more about the therapies that we provide and the training we offer, please visit our website www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. You can also find us on social media.